You're listening to Coldo D Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Our services are every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. For more information, like us on Facebook or visit our website at coldod.org. Good morning again. And if you have uh, scriptures with you, Bibles with you, you might want to turn to Numbers 16 and 17, and that area will be. I do have a uh, prop. Bruce offered me one. I actually thought Bruce might have given me this one, but he didn't. Uh, this, is a, uh, this is for chapter 17, which I'll eventually get to. I'm not sure how much I'll be in chapter 17, but this is, anyone know what this would be? Aaron's rod, Aaron's staff. Perhaps, and I don't know, did anyone here give me this? I don't know where I got this. But it has my initials on it, it has a Star of David. It actually has Yeshua in Hebrew script on the top written here. So engraved, not written, engraved. And it has Koldodi engraved here somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it is mine. Koldodi, Koldodi. Uh, so it's pretty nice. All right, so we'll put it here right there. Okay. The almonds, yes. What's that? Where are the almonds? Okay, we'll get to that. God anoints the humble. <clears throat> and he doesn't anoint the proud. He does not anoint the proud. And that, and that really does tie into the stories today in Numbers chapter 16 and 17. So, Father, we just thank you. We pray you open our eyes that, you may behold, that we may behold wonderful things from your word. We pray you would open our eyes, each one of uh, us, Lord. Gali and I... Lord, speak to us, we pray. And we pray we could see as you want us to see a little more clearly, a little more clearly, because we do see through a mirror darkly, Lord. We don't see clearly as we ought to see, Lord, but we see partially. But help us to see a little more clearly with the help of your Holy Spirit to give us illuminate, illumination in Ephesians 1:18 by your Spirit, B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. The Amen. And uh, truly, you know, Yeshua said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. <clears throat> He's anointed me. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, when he began his ministry, he quoted that passage in Luke, I think, chapter 4. <clears throat> and uh, this, uh, this passage in Numbers chapter 16 uh, is quite a sobering passage. A, a rebellion. A rebellion, a revolt, an insurrection, uh, a, a rebellion led by Korach, Korach or Korah, with co-conspirators Dathan and Abiram against the divinely appointed leadership of Moses and his brother Aaron. Now, look at what happens here. Korah was Moses and Aaron's first cousin. And he launches this mutiny, if you will, along with 250 powerful leaders. Now, really, if you look at it, it's politically motivated. What was the root of it? Well, the root is envy and resentment. Korah feels that he was passed over for a prominent position that rightfully belonged to him in his, in his mind. He thought he should have been in the position that he didn't get. And he seduces them by appealing to their desire to restore the role of the firstborn to Levi, to the tribe of Levi. And he wants to secure a higher status for not only himself but for others. And so this is an attempted usurping coup d'etat, if you will. Now, 
interesting because was this not the scenario in the heavens past, if you think about it, in Hashemayim, the heavens past, when Lucifer, envious of God's position, aspired and attempted to usurp it and make himself, it says in Isaiah 14, 14, like Elyon. Let's look at this a little bit in Ezekiel, in uh, Leviticus, no, I'm sorry, in Numbers 16, and then we'll look at Isaiah for a moment, but uh, Numbers 16. It says that they rose up, Korah, verse 1, and then verse 2, rose up against Moses and took 250 men from the children of Israel, men of renown, pointed the council. They assembled against Moses and Aaron. They said, you've gone too far. All the community is holy, all of them. And the Lord is with them. He's literally in the midst of them. He says, God is right in the middle of them. Oh, really? Then why do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? This is interesting. What he's accusing Moses of, and really then Moses and Aaron of, is the very thing that he is guilty of. He projects onto them what is really his own problem. And notice the response of Moses. Moses, when he heard it, he says, he retaliates, right? He says, not so, not true, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. (laughs) No, Moses falls flat on his face. Moses falls on his face. He's just... He just humbles himself. He just, he's, he, he knows that judgment is coming. He knows who's, who's put him in the position. Moses, and when he said to Korah, then he said to Korah and all his fellows, in the morning the Lord will reveal who is his and who is holy. The one whom he will let come near to him will be the one he has chosen. He chooses to come near to him. Do this, Korah, and the, your to your whole following. And he tells them to take censers and etc. Verse down a little further, he says, tomorrow the man will, that the Lord chooses will be the holy one. You sons of Levi are the ones who have gone too far. He says, you've gone too far. Not You have, not me. <coughs> uh, great for you. It's in the Hebrew, rav lechem, rav lechem. They say, you've gone too far. It's rav lechem. You want to say that one? Rav lechem? Rav Lechem, he said, they say, you've gone too far, really, great for you. And Moses turns around and says, no, great, great for you. It's really um, just the opposite. Um, You've gone too far, actually. They say, the community is holy. All the community is holy. Kiddushim is is the Hebrew word there. Everyone is, we're all saints. All of them, kulam, kulam, everyone. And the Lord is the Lord is in their midst. Why do you exalt yourself, lift yourself up? Nasa is the Hebrew word. Above. You lift yourself up above, meaning above the assembly of the Lord. The, the King James, you take too much upon yourselves for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of of the Lord. So as I said, actually accusing Moses and Aaron of the very opposite of their spirit and character, but reflective of their own. And so they're blind blindly as in a mirror. So Satan, Lucifer, is in Isaiah 14, 14, we know from Isaiah from, from this record that he tried to usurp God. And he make him. He said he wanted to make himself like 
God Most High, like Elyon, Isaiah 14, 14. Let me read it. Isaiah 14, verses 13 through 15. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will ascend, exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of meeting in the uttermost parts of the north. I will ascend above the high places of the clouds. I will make myself like Elyon, or like God Most High. Yet you will be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest parts of the pit. And in Revelation 12, 9, And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent called the devil and Satan. Satan means adversary. Who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So from the several passages, including Ezekiel 28, most theologians put together and, and, and believe that this was the history of Lucifer, Satan, the devil, that his history was he aspired a rebellion over a period of, we don't know how long and how do you tell time and, you know, eternity passed and all the, but that he collect, and that one-third of the angels went against uh, God with him, he collected, he, he, he you know, uh, mobilized a rebellion against God, and they were thrown down. And they, those are, that's the whole demonic realm, the uh, angelic realm, the demons, um, if you will, and that this is what happened. And that's the battle that takes, you know, the principalities and powers, Ephesians 6, 6, 12, that we read about, the battle that goes on in the lower atmosphere, you know, that we deal with princi- principalities and powers now. Ephesians 2, 2, Ephesians 6, 12. So two historical uprisings of similar demonic spirit, but which have repeated themselves time and time again in the history against God's faithful. You see the same spirit. Envy, listen, envy, jealousy, pride, ego, seduction, deception, accusation, in time, judgment, vindication. Key two words, in time, in time. Not all at once. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18 say, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, to keep your eye on those who are causing divisions and stumbling blocks, contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Well, what is the teaching you have learned? Well, the love of God, unity, Yeshua being central. We could talk about, you know, what that meant for Paul writing this, but contrary to what you know is the truth. Turn away from them. Turn away from these kind of people, he said, that are causing divisions. Contrary. For such people do not serve our Lord, the Messiah, Paul says, but only their own belly, only their own appetites. Their appetites, they want to be first. They want to, they need some. By their smooth talk, oh, they're persuasive, and flattery. They always, you know, say something nice about you, you know, that make you want, make you like them. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. This is, so this is immediately... Paul says this, interesting, in Romans chapter 16. I don't know if you've studied this before, but he says this to the believers immediately after he's, he, he remembers 30 or more amazing 
saints, amazing believers, amazing uh, believers, and he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. So he mentions, says, oh, he says he's in prison, remember? And he says, remember this person. And he says, and remember that person. He says, oh, I love this person. Oh, this person. I so say hello to this person. Say hello to that person. He, he loves these believers. And then he says, he says, oh, and don't forget to say hello to this one. And then he says, and watch out for these people. Watch out for these people because they're going to ruin the whole, they're going to they're spoil the whole pie. They're going to ruin the whole, the, this, they're going to poison it all. Watch out for them. And it says, but, it, he, but it, it's right in the midst of it. And then he follows, and he says, he follows with a subsequent admonition. He says, be wise concerning what's good and innocent concerning what's evil. And, and he gives a promise. He says, and the God of Shalom will soon crush Satan under your feet. In time. In time. In other words... So, interesting. Now, what happens here with this uprising that Korah attempts against Moses and Aaron? What happens? Uh, Where in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 16, Moses says, isn't it enough that the God of Israel, and the Hebrew is hama'at, hama'at mechem, literally, little for you, Little for you, that the God of Israel has set you apart from the community of Israel to bring you near to him to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord? He's already given you so much, Korah, and you're not satisfied with that? You're not, you're not content with what he's already given you? you know, the word of God says, be content with such things as you have for, uh, in Hebrews 13, 5, right? We're to be content with what God has given us. And I love the, you know, what the rest of that says. says, be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, what do we have? The most important thing we have is him. Be content with him. He'll never leave me nor forsake you. I have him. We saw something, I was, saw something of a, a, a singer, Francis and I looked at it last night late too. She researched it a little more. This someone who turned out she was a believer. And, you know, she was on one of these... Um, Singing contests, you know, where they sing, sing, and she, what's that? Yeah, American Idol or something like that. And, no? <laughs> what, what, I don't know. <laughs> it was something, but it was, anyway, someone had posted it. On, anyway, but uh, it was beautiful, though, because she had cancer, and she had two, has, turns out she had like a 2% chance of living, and she, and she said, but she, but she said, I'm going to, I'm still going to sing, and I'm going to, not going to wait till, you know, that to, to, you know, to, to share. Yeah, I feel sorry. I'm not going to live in feeling sorry for myself. Come up here and finish my story. <laughs> she said, you can tell it better than I can. Um, really, she could. Um, and it was just, just made you cry because you just saw she, she just exuberated this, you know, this, this uh, beauty, you know, in her, in, and she's amazing. It's beautiful, sing, beautiful voice. So, anyway, we have the Lord, you know, and that's what she was really saying. You know, I have, I have the Lord. I don't have to have, you know, anything more. I'm content with God. I'm not going to be feel, feeling sorry for myself and, and just telling everybody how, you know, but I'm, I'm not going to live in despair. And, she, and her husband had left her and everything, even when, when she had cancer and everything. That's according to the story, I mean. Um, so, 
you know, we're, we're, we're content. And, and this is the problem. This, is, this was Korah's problem. He wasn't content. They had the, the, the duties of the priesthood. They were given that assignment by God. It wasn't Moses' fault. Moses didn't determine who did what. It was God. But they were blaming Moses for it and faulting Moses for not letting him have the priesthood. And he wants the priesthood. He's not satisfied with just the Levitical duties that they had. Um, and, this, and the same thing with, the, the, with Dathan and Biram. They wanted more, more response, more uh, other abilities and other, I mean, other um, responsibilities. And <clears throat> he says, uh, you take too much. I'm sorry, no, further, further down here, lost my place. Uh, he says, you, uh, so he brought you, he brought you close along with your fellow sons of Levi, but you're seeking the priesthood too. So they weren't satisfied with their God-appointed positions as guardians of the tabernacle being of the tribe of Levi, but wanted to share in the Aaronic priesthood too. Most people that serve are humble. Most people that serve are humble. Here's a point I wanted to make. But there are those who have an inflated ego, a secret agenda aspiring to personal greatness. And they believe that they deserve to be in the limelight. And they're not satisfied with lifting up others, but accuse others of what they actually desire for themselves. It's sad. Yeshua said, the Son of Man has come to be served, right? Isn't that what he said? Got that wrong? Did I get that wrong? Oh, what did I, what did I get wrong? Oh, to serve. He came. Oh, thank you, Suzanne. He, the Son of Man has come to serve, right? Son of Man has not come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Just the opposite, right? He came to lay down his life. That's what he said. Matthew 20, 28, many places. He said it. In different ways. So were Moses and Aaron, God's servants. Now, I look for courage in leadership, as you do. We look for courage in leadership, but we also look for humility, the ability to listen and to learn, but also to make hard decisions, whether it's for better or for worse. No one's perfect. And, you know, it's interesting, in Acts 15, 19, uh, Jacob listened to the emissaries when the, when the Gentiles were coming into the Messianic faith, if you will, to the new faith of the Messiah, of Yeshua, Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, in the new Messiah. And the Gentiles were coming in, and they didn't know what to do, and what was their relationship to the Torah of Moses. And, and there was a lot of, it was new, and there was confusion over it. And Jacob listened to the emissary. They all got together to the apostles and the elders. They greatly debated. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Boy, I, that was, must have been quite some debate going on. I'm sure it went on for a long time. The issue over the what would how would they what would they do, and what was their, what were their, what was going to happen? And with Peter makes finally you read in Acts fifteen he makes a final convincing passionate argument in chapter fifteen verses seven through eleven. You read it. I'm not going to read it now, but take a take a look. And 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 when he finishes his passion, and you can imagine how passionate Peter was with this argument, everyone's quiet. I think it just silenced. When I, I read through it again, the, the entire group in verse 12. I think I marked it. So No, I didn't mark it, so I'm not going to look. The whole group's quiet. And Barnabas and Paul, they continued sharing all the signs, the thrilling signs and wonders God was doing that they'd been seeing through them as the gospel was being shared. And so they finished. And Jacob pauses. And then he finalizes with a decision. 
And he says these three words in the Greek. He says, Dio ego krino. Now, I'm sure, I don't know if he was speaking Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew, but the translation we have that we consider scripture is, is Greek. Dio ego krino. Hebrew, I'm not sure where the vowels would be, but the al ken anidan, or don't, den, I'm not sure where the vowels would be, but therefore I judge. He says, therefore I judge not to trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, and he goes on to make a judgment. And all followed this, his decision to implement it in verse 22. So he made a decision. He, had, he made the, this, the final decision. And that was the way it stood. So this is what happens here. But he listened. Leadership listened. He listened. And he took it into account. And it persuaded him. But he made, and then he made a decision. And they, followed. They, they all yielded. When Moses heard, he falls on his face in verse 4. He humbles himself before God rather than retaliates and reacts toward them. And that's so important that we all do that when people attack. If people attack you, if someone attacks you, don't just retaliate. I love Isaiah 30, verse 15. I remember my pastor who, when I were, where I went to Bible college and who taught me a, a lot so much by not just from the Bema, but also in his life, times I was watching him, learned walking with him in many ways. Quietness, he would quote this verse a lot. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Isaiah 30, verse 15. In quietness and confidence is your, is your strength, shall be your strength. And, and so many times it is. And in verse 5, he said to Korah, Karach, and all his following, saying, In the morning the Lord will reveal who's his and who's holy. The Lord will reveal it. The one he will let come near to him, he will be the one he'll choose to come near. He let the Lord judge. He said the Lord will judge between us. Romans 12, 19 says, never, let your own never take your own revenge, loved ones, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I'll repay, says the Lord. I love Psalm 37. It talks about resting in the Lord. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over evildoers. Is it worth fretting over evildoers? Is it worth fretting? Is it worth hurting yourself? physically and emotionally. and Let me quote from Psalm 37, several verses. I'm quoting 5 through 7 and 9 through 13. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do it. He will bring out your vindication as light, and your cause will shine as noonday. Be still before Adonai and wait patiently for him. Do not fret over one prospering in his way, over one carrying out wicked schemes. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for Adonai, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Yes, you will look at his place, but he will, be, he will not be there. Huh. But the meek will inherit the land and delight in abundant shalom. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees his day is coming. How about that, huh? Listen, if 
The Lord, it's like Psalm 2 says, he who sits in the heaven laughs, in the heavens laughs. It's not worth your stress. Let the Lord do it. If you're in the right place between you and God and doing what's right, continue to do what's right. Continue to do what's right. And let the Lord be the judge. Moses says, separate yourselves from among the assembly in verse 21 and 22, so that I, or God says rather, separate yourself from among the assembly so that I may consume them at once. And, you know, the Lord says, I'm going to take care of it. And Moses, instead of saying, Moses and Aaron intercede for the people. They don't want God to do that. God chooses and, and, and God uses who he will in Psalm 75. God does it. And he says, exaltation comes not from the east or from the west, but nor from the, from the desert, but God is the judge. He lowers one, and he lifts up another. Likewise, you younger ones, submit yourselves to the elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so he may lift you up at the appropriate time. That's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. We see what happens in this chapter. You know, the earth opens up and swallows the, you know, the rebellion, and many die, and uh, there's a fire that consumes the 250 men in verse 35, and um, the earth opened up in verse 31, 32, swallows them, uh, you know, so uh, then the plague, the plague comes, but the plague is stopped by Moses and Aaron's intercession in verse 48. And uh, so more don't die. And this is quite, a, quite a, um, a strong story of what happens in Israel's, Israel's history. And then in chapter 17, and we'll finish there, we have the, the story that continues really with the rod of Aaron or the 12 staffs. So the Lord tells Moses, speak to the children of Israel and get a rod from each of their house, 12 staffs in all, and put each man's name on the staff, write Aaron's rod on the staff. Now, here's the, as I said, the, I don't know what they looked like. Maybe they were just a twi- you know, much smaller than this. But I know there's screen. I can't see the screen up there today, but I know there'll be things behind me. So I trust David with whatever's behind me here. I can't see anything. There's nothing, nothing up there today. <clears throat> um, so I don't know if that'll stay put there. There we go. Um, <clears throat> but they, uh, they put them in front of the ark is where they put them, we believe, they, in front of the tent of meeting, at the, in the tent of meeting. And... It will come about that the staff of the man I will choose will sprout, will rid myself of the grumblings of the children of Israel who are grumbling against you, he says. And so, you know what happened? Aaron's staff was among them, and he places the staffs before the Lord, verse 7, in the tent of the testimony. And the next day, Moses enters the tent of the testimony, and behold, Aaron's staff from the house of Levi had sprouted, blossomed, and produced almonds. And um, so, so we understand this. So 
God anoints and and what happened was the now staffs Aaron's staff um, not only sprouts but it produced blossoms and developed into almonds overnight. An almond tree can take as long as five to twelve years to start producing almonds. In the spring, typically somewhere between February and March, the almond trees begin producing flowers. The flower buds actually start to form as early as the previous summer. Harvesting of almonds happens from August through October, depending on the type of almond tree and the climate of the specific location. Now, I didn't grow up in California. Anyone here from California? So you've seen almonds grow? So have you seen almond trees grow? Have you? So... Um, and, or Israel, if you're in Israel, of course, you've seen them too. But, uh, you know, how many eat almonds? You should eat almonds. They're really good for you. Good, yeah. I, raw almonds. You don't need them salted and roasted. You know, eat, eat raw almonds. Anyway, no. However you like them, they're good for you. Um, but uh, this was a miracle. I mean, this happened, God had it, of course, happened very, you know, overnight. This was, so it was definitely a miracle. God was saying, I anoint. Now, listen, a more, a, appointed is anointed. Appointed is anointed. And if you're, what God has appointed you to do, he's anointed you to do. If you get nothing else, get that. Whatever he's appointed you to do, he's anointed you to do. And you'll be fulfilled doing it. You, not everybody has the same gifting and calling. We have different gifts and different calling. And you'll be fulfilled doing what you're called to do. Not what someone else is called to do. You don't have to do what some... And some, so many people say, I want to do what that person's doing, or I want to do what they, I see someone else... And when you're younger, that happens so easily. We all want to emulate and copy what... We try to do it like someone else did it. You don't have to do it. Do what... Let, and it takes time to learn to do what God has called you to do. It doesn't mean we don't learn from others. Yes, we do. And, but, but, we, but listen, God, God is the one that chooses. God is the one who anoints. God is the one who brings forth fruit. And it's evident for us if we're willing to see. Not everyone can sing. Not everyone can preach or play an instrument well. It doesn't mean we can't learn uh, to do these things. And that's what choirs are for. And that's what, um, you know, for everyone can, you know, do it in some way or shape or form. And that's what bands are for. And, you know, except for that band where the, remember that I told that story? Oh, my wife said she didn't get that joke where the guy said it was the senior's band and they finished the, finished the, the band said, said, for our next number, we're going to play, play Stars and Stripes Forever. And the guy says, oh, no, I just played that one. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, but we, anyway, but we, but we, listen, we don't all do it well, but we can do it. But, but certain things you got to be able to do well to do it. But not all can cook well. Uh, listen, I can't cook as well. My wife can. She's the chef in our home. But you, you know, we not all can read aloud well, or I, I can't pray as well, no way as others can. I'm honest. I mean, I, I, there, some people have uh, pray in faith much better than I, or with confidence much more than I can, and better than I can. And we all have different giftings, you know. What has God called you to do? Um, what has he appointed you to do? Don't, you know, uh, maybe start a business or a ministry, uh, maybe for his glory, you know, the, how about the well coffee houses in, in uh, uh, Nashville that have started? Or the, uh, or, you know, or Plaza Mariachi and Hispanic Foundation and things, ministries and, and sports programs for children. And there's all sorts of creative things. God can do, give you something that no one else has done. That, so don't th- just try to do what someone else has done. Let him show, ask him what he's anointed you to do and appointed you to do and do it for his glory. 
That's the whole point. And, and uh, God has, you, people try to emulate fruit. Academia is a poor substitute for fruit. fruit uh, and and uh, by the way, some people are anointed for academia. And I, I'm not, that's not a thing on academia. But I'm saying some people say that's a substitute for, think that's a substitute for anointing. So it's not. Anointing is from God on what he's called you to do. And, um, and fruit is from God alone and is, is divine, and so is divine authority. Authority is given for edification, Paul says, not for destruction. To build up, not to tear down. 2 Corinthians 10.8 and 13.10. You can't fake God's life you can't fake God's life. Uh, some, some, yeah, and, and some people have the gift of intense study and uh, learning, and others don't. Others, more meditation and more, you know. So you, we don't judge one another. We, we learn from one another. But find out where, just where God has called you is where the anointing will be. And... Um, and that's the point. Yeshua, it says, in, listen to these verses and I'll stop. Matthew 7, 8, 28, 29 says, When Yeshua had finished these words, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for his, he was teaching as one having authority and not as their Torah scholars. Not as their Torah scholars. All right? Are you trying to tell me to stop? Okay, thank you. All right. Not as their Torah scholars. So what, what did he have what they, that they didn't have? He had something different than they had, right? Matthew, when they said it was different than typical religion. Uh, Paul says, are we com- uh, beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need some other letters of recommendation to you? 2 Corinthians 3, you are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by everyone. Not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4. Isn't that powerful? Uh, that's the confidence we have through God. Our confidence is from God. Isn't that great? So that's the, that's the anointing they had. That's the same, this is the same idea, really, as Aaron's rod that buds. And that's the beauty of beauty of it. I could give you more verses on that, but I really do want to do want to close. So, Father, we just thank you for <clears throat> these lessons today in Numbers chapter 16 and 17 of Korach and, um, and the dissatisfaction that they had. Help us be satisfied with you. Help us know our callings and our appointment, our, our appointment and our anointment, if you will, from you, Lord what we're appointed to do and anointed to do. And uh, so that we can be faithful in doing it. And we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you that we don't have to fret. We don't have to even defend. But, Lord, we, that you're our defense, that you're, our, you're the one that is... that... that um, That, is, that, has, that chooses and uses by your grace, your power, for your glory. Help us fulfill. Help us stand in the place where we can be, fulfill that, fulfill our, our purpose in Yeshua's name. 
And if you've never trusted Yeshua today, you're somehow watching this or here, and you've never put your faith in Yeshua, this would be the best time to do it. This would be the only time you know you can do it. Give yourself to him. Just turn your life over to him. Say, Lord, I want to trust. I'm putting my trust in you today. Turning from my sin, I'm trusting you in Yeshua's name, giving myself to you, God. And let us know. There'll be people here to pray with you. They'll pray for you and whatever you need after the service. Ya er Adonai panave lecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai panave lecha v'yasem lecha shalom. V'shem Yeshua HaMashiach Saha shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.